Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. On a Live Nations Friday, loosey-goosey edition of the program. Loosey-goosey. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew. It's a month over month. Yeah, the traffic. I don't know if it's uh, the other The way you write that is not how he wrote it. <laughs> we were having a discussion before we came on the air. I carry him right over, baby. We'll, carry, we'll let you on in. Come on in. Come on in. We're having a conversation. No, this hat's not orange. It's red. Something about lighting when we get in here. I don't know why it happens, but it does. It makes red look orange. This is bright red, I promise you. I'm not really concerned about what you think, but I just, just, just so you know. I think your your team in Europe, you know, in the World Cup. Ah, uh, the Dutch. Yeah. 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 I think there are people in this chat that would like to see them eradicated <laughs> as though it's 1939 because, because, because of the, the color that they wear. The orange, yeah. Uh, you know, there's 14 days until the start of college football. 14. That's beautiful. 14 days until we start college football, baby. Oh, all the bitching and whining and worry and wringing of the hands that goes on on a daily basis in regards to who's going where and what's our administration doing and how's the team's health and everything. No, it all goes away. The games start. You get locked in. You don't have all this extra time to ruminate in your own mind all these perceived slights and worries. No, no. You can get right to it. The nuts and bolts, the action. You'll be able to sit down and watch effing football. That counts. Bet on it, consume it, learn from it, and go on to the next. It's going to be glorious. And it's not that far away from Florida State playing football, but I just 14 days till they kick it off in college football, buddy. Mm. This is a perfect exercise. I always do this. 14 days better than two weeks? Yes. 14 days. 14 100%. days is better than two weeks. Yes. Okay. So I think sometimes it depends on the day and the mood. Oddly. Like if I said that to you and we were driving for hours on end somewhere, you might you might say something different. You might go, no, two weeks sounds better. But just here today, 14, I agree with you today. Yeah, 14 days. It's just two weeks sounds more cumbersome. <laughs> oh, so you like to flip it. Instead of a joyous thing that you're awaiting – it, you take the mindset of if you had to do something you didn't like for two weeks as yeah. opposed to 14 days, yep. two weeks would piss you off. Would yeah. feel, you feel the gravity of that. Because it takes forever to get from two to one. You know, we, we drop a number every day at 14. So tomorrow's 13. All right, I'm seeing the progress because tomorrow is still two weeks. <laughs> and if it's one, that's a cruel one week. If you're saying, well, it's one week. No, it's not. It's 13 days, man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like the idea of ripping the page. And it's 14, 13, 12. The countdown clock is a beautiful thing. I'm a slave to a calendar now. We've got a big one on the uh, fridge where we write out what the kids are doing and what I have to do and when I'm going to be in town or when I'm going to be out of town, when Christy's going out of town, whatever it is, right? And I've and we've done it for years and years and years and years and years. And it has served and it will serve for my kids if they use it as a documentation of every day in their life. We've had that calendar up every day of their life. And so long after I'm dead, they'll be able to, t- and we save every month. It goes in this little filing cabinet. And they will honor you at the uh, the first tee shot of the Yucatan Masters. <laughs> I can assure you they will honor you. And so 
you know, it's pretty cool. They'll be able to look back. What did we do on, you know, the second week of February in 2007? Oh, well, this is what we did. Um, but, yeah, you can look at those things. And now I've become a slave to it. I like looking at that calendar, and I mark the days every day that goes by. The reason I bring this up is because of the football countdown. I have on the calendar, FSU, LSU, of course. So here's a, a, a way of measuring this, the countdown. I never really thought of this before. So Swiss Irish says breaking it down in terms of beer helps. So you how many 14 beers? How many beers? Well, no, how many, how many beers until college football season? Four, 14. 14 beers? It's an average of a beer a day between now and then. Yeah. All right. All right. I see you working. Is that what he did? Is that is that, that no? What, what, what I'm saying is, how many beers between now and college football season for everybody out there? Oh, how mm-hmm. many beers you're going to drink yeah, before? Bet- well, yeah, It'd be a lot more than fourteen. That's, what, that's why <laughs> I responded the way yeah. I did. Oh, you, you were like Jeff. I know you. Fourteen. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say tonight. <laughs> I was wondering why you were puzzled. I'm like, well, that's 14. 14 beers if we're doing it by beers. I, I didn't know you meant beers that I would consume before the start of college football. Yeah, that's a very different answer. For me, it's probably only about six beers. Yeah, you don't drink beers? a ton of beer. You drink red wine and some other things here yeah. and there. Hawaiian coffee. It's my yeah. own personal blend. <laughs> oh, man. Guy made the leap from poor to middle class, and look at him. It's a poor man's espresso <laughs> martini is what it is. It's just Kahlua and, and espresso blend coffee. Oh, It's man. delightful, though. I will make you one. I'd like to drink, drink one. I don't like martinis uh, at all. Like any martini, I've never liked one. Have you ever had an espresso martini? I've not had the espresso martini. I, it sounds dangerous. Well, one day at the beach you had it, and you're like, ooh, that is dangerous. Well, no, I, that, that just felt like a strong coffee. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's Hawaiian yeah. coffee. Yeah. It's more accurate. Everybody loves Irish coffee, but me and JMO, we don't get along that well. No, I hate I hate Jameson. Yeah. yeah. Buy a 12-pack and have one per day, like a football advent calendar. That's funny, Briley. The prob- if you're going to have one beer per day, it better be a doozy. It's got to be a good one. Got to have some weight to it, yeah. man. It's a 32-ouncer. <laughs> it's my one beer. You got to sip it, enjoy it. It's got to have a little, little what for to it. It's got to be like 8%, 9%. Once you get off the golf course or for the kickoff of the 1 o'clock window on a Sunday, though, there's nothing like a frosty mug. Oh, the buddy. frosty mug, the giant one. Oddly, that's the way it is for – like back in the day when I drank soda, and I, it's been years since I drank soda, the one exception that I've admitted to that occasionally I still will have, just out of nowhere, a random glass of root beer. I like root beer. I always have. It's like the one breakdown in my soda rule. And other than that, I've gotten to where sodas are so. I mean, because I have because I don't drink them. If I drink them now, they make me sick. They're too sweet. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm like ah. yeah. The sugar sweet stomach ache is is a horrible one. And for years at the old place of employment on the FM dial, mm. when we would go downtown to a specific place, that would be your root beer spot. That was my root beer spot. Yeah, they knew you as a soda drinker there. It- <laughs> Oh, at least a root beer drinker. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I love root beer, damn it. So every now and then I'll break down one of those. I don't know why I brought that up. We were talking about something else. We well, were just talking about consuming drinks. Well, here's something fun for you. Mm. We are zero root beers away from college football season for you because I doubt you're going to have one between yeah, now and I don't think week I will. zero. 
The wife and I can't wait to see you guys in three weeks or 21 days, whichever you prefer. Ha ha. Z Chan coming in strong Woo! on a libations Friday and for that. We're thankful. It'll be great to see Woo! you too. Looking forward to seeing all you guys. Uh, appreciate it very much. It's going to be fun once again to, uh, to strike up the band and get things rolling yet again. Tom and I will be back at Top Hotel Indigo doing pregame shows. For these home games, good times. It's uh, always fun there. It's a great location. A, if you're coming into town, it's a great location to stay. B, it's a great location to swing on by for your tailgate. Good times as you look out over the intramural fields and you see the stadium in the background. Now, it's even better when we get a little further along in the season and it's not 105 degrees. No, but they roll it out, though. There are options inside in the that air is conditioning. Correct. Yes. So if you want to get a break from the lots, you know, let's say you get out there at noon. For the Southern Miss game, because we're one and zero, we're one and zero. We beat an LSU short week. You're coming up here to celebrate. You start the tailgate lots at whatever time. I gotta get inside. I've got to find a clean bathroom. Come on up, Hotel yeah. Indigo, seventh floor. Yeah. They have the food for you. They'll keep you're, you. You're already in trouble needing that clean bathroom early on a Saturday. <laughs> well, no, I mean, our pregame show's not going to be till five thirty. I'm just laughing. I'm just thinking about people like, ooh. They've been they out had, there for five hours in the tailgate. Fri- had a rough Friday. You want an air-conditioned restroom? Yeah. But you got to make sure- A non-port-a-potty is what you're saying, yeah. For people who purchase, of course. Yeah. But they've got an ice bin full of beer. They've got a full bar. They'll have set up with brats and sausage and hamburgers. Hell yeah. Lacerre, there's nothing wrong with a martini. I'm not judging those who drink martinis. I just don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> He loves them when when there's a company dinner. We found that that out. That's fair, but and I'm proud of him. But I I don't like him, and I've tried. I think he had a beer to to kind of take a temperature of where the the night was going. Then he was like, "Okay, time to get after some martinis." Double martini. Okay, all right, shots fired. (laughs) Hey, when we're that age and the company's paying for something, oh yeah, what's the most expensive red you got? That's (laughs) right. (laughs) I think that's what I went with actually for that particular dinner. Oh man. It's funny, home openers are always a big deal. I was thinking about this because it's going to be ridiculous, I'm sure, for that first home game, meaning temperature-wise and, you know, all that. And by because we play who we play in the first game of the year in Orlando against LSU, it's a bit of a come down, the, the first home opener, the, the, the first game at Doak this year. Um and, and I just, you know, in general, I, I've never been as big on home openers as I am on, say, just football starting. I don't care. Just, like, football starting is yeah. all I care about. Yeah. Home openers, unless it was a massive game. Like, if we were coming out the gates, Doe Campbell Stadium at night, playing a huge matchup, maybe Labor Day or something like that. It was a big game against, you know, a rival or something. Okay. That's different. But the home opener is usually a softy. Yeah, it's usually a weak ass team that you're going to pulverize, and it's also usually hotter than Hades, and so you're just kind of like, eh, this home game oh. could be my living room, is what this could be. Oh, it could be. All right, maybe we don't set up the full tailgate. Maybe we just go over to Indigo because it's turnkey. Let's let the guys take care of it for us at Hotel Indigo. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are sometimes you want to set up the full spread, and we understand that. And that's the one envy we have. That's the thing that it's the trade-off for the job. There aren't many, but that's the number one thing. Commiserating around a tailgate. It just doesn't happen. We can't do it. No, we don't, we, we're not able to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I miss it. I, I miss the uh, – and it's not even commiserating. It's celebrating together, commiserating together. Yeah. It's all of those things. Um, Especially if we're 1-0. That's going to have a little bit extra juice that first week if, it, if we're 1-0.
But, you know, you're right about kickoff weekends at the beginning of football. My buddy reached out to me today. He said, uh, hey, why don't we get together for week one of the NFL? I was like, maybe week two? We got an 8.30 kick the night before. I'm not going to go to bed till 2.30 or 3. And then I responded back five minutes later. You know what? Week one's got extra juice to it. Let's do week one. There you go. It's that first kickoff of the 1 o'clock window on NFL Sunday. It's great. It is. I don't I, – <laughs> I wonder – 15 years from now, the way we're going to view these things as, again, I always separated college football from pro football. I love both. I'm not the guy who's like, oh, I don't watch pro football. I love pro football. I watch every game I can. I take it all in. Always will. Love it. Love it. But it's different for me. I see it differently. I sit down and think about the game differently even. It's more clinical. It is very clinical. It's very sterile to some extent. I'm not talking about sterile as in the X's and O's. That's not the case. The NFL has opened up its playbook. Ever since they adapted a lot of the collegiate style offenses that we saw made popular uh, with mobile quarterbacks, and they've incorporated that into the NFL now and better utilize elite athleticism at the quarterback position as opposed to statues from the pocket, offenses have gotten exciting in the NFL. It's it, And the rules are in favor of it too. I don't like that part of it, but I do like the adaptation. And, and, and going ahead and grabbing these offenses and using, you know, when Bill Belichick started doing it, you're like, okay, well, it's, that's it. Everybody's going to do it now. Um, but it because it is, uh, it's there's a, there's an owner, uh, there's a GM, uh, free agency exists. Uh, your favorite player could be there for three years and he could be a Charger <laughs> in year yeah. four. Yeah. Be- and it's always been that way. You've kind of felt a little detached. You almost you're rooting for, as Seinfeld used to say, jerseys. I always looked at it. You're rooting for your city. I mean, if you rooted for your hometown, we're Buccaneer fans, so we root for the Buccaneers. Absolutely. We grew up there, so emotionally, we're tied to the nostalgia of growing up in an area and having that team be your team, and that's the connection. But it's not the same as going to a university and loving a college football team. It's not the same. No, it, but if you haven't walked through the clouds of meth. <laughs> and if you have, if you haven't pushed uh, past, uh, yep. it was past. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you, <laughs> uh, if you hadn't passed the hooker bus, that's right. Outside of Raymond James, <laughs> if your shoes were never adorned with the glitter of uh, said bus as you walk by, <laughs> the bottoms of your shoes, you you can almost get weepy eyed with the nostalgia <laughs> we're going through here. <laughs> you almost could. Oh, man. I'm telling you, by the way, my favorite moment ever is sitting with my mother in the end zone against the Carolina Panthers. It's not a violation if it's an accident, people. just Also, by the way, um, yeah, you're right, Mario. It was laundry. Whatever. He's an overrated comedian. Um, That is, in fact, true. 100% true. Way overrated. Uh, What's the deal? But that said... uh, the, the the moments in the stands with with just road hard and put up wet Bucks fans mm. are the best. They're just so beaten down by yeah. life, a life of construction, a whole lot of tanning, uh, either intentional or not. The bleaching of the hair, yeah. the skin oh, yeah. is the yeah. skin is leathery. You can hear it. Oh, it's crackling. Yeah. The, the women are still teasing their hair like they're going to a Motley Crue show in 86. It's incredible. Tampa hasn't ch- – it's, yeah. it's locked in time. I, I, I've never been at the troughs of uh, Wrigley Field, but unfortunately a bathroom at a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game will take your innocence just the same. 
<laughs> and it did. You'll and see, it did. You'll see things that you cannot no. unsee. Seen cheese heads. Oh from yeah, Green no, Bay I know. Fans. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Smirched. Put back on their dome. Somehow and, 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 it's. But yet you can't wait when you're on your way over to that stadium. Like I'm gonna see the freak show today, baby. Here crank comes, that Aussie. Here comes the freak show. And it's because NFL fans are unrivaled when it comes to debauchery on a Sunday. I mean, it's unreal. Uh, a Sunday fun day crowd is already a specific kind of crowd. It's amazing. Yeah. You look around in the stands and think, do any of you people work? What You are plastered at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. You're never going to even see the second quarter, my man. How the hell are you going to make it to the, the lobby of the Sykes <laughs> building tomorrow? How are you going to make it? I always do that. I look it around. I'm like, my God. If this were a Saturday, all right. Well, you got all of Sunday to recover. It, it was like it's Sunday. Our mutual friend having a walk to the office after the Stanley Cup Finals game one years ago, 15. Oh, yes. You had gotten us some subs for the road. Yes. And we saw him walking, and we said, oh, no. Because oh. it was June in Tampa. Sweating. Oh. That looked like hell on earth. It did. <laughs> and that's that's every Monday no. after a home game for In the entire city of Tampa and yeah. St. Pete, the people just walking into work looking like death, and they're going to do it again next Sunday. It's unreal. I think I was probably – I don't know, 25 when I, w- I remember thinking, you know, I can't I, I can't do the Sunday crazies. Like, we can't. This is going to have to stop. We got things to do on Monday. Let's keep it together. Let's pull it back and make sure that the, the loosey-goosey is Friday and Saturday, and then we, you know, we're 60 minutes on a Sunday, eating your dinner, getting ready for bed. That That's <laughs> your Sunday right there. Let's just go from 25 to old. I'm okay with it. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. We'll talk some FSU football here next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips? We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. 
Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV on a Libations Friday. I'm glad that Ashlyn Barker's name came up uh, today with Mike Norvell talking about the safeties. I've been very, very impressed with Barker. I've said that twice while we've been out at practice, and I kept waiting. I thought, is it just me? Surely Mike or somebody is noticing that this kid looks like he can play. And I didn't even – Tom, he wasn't on my radar. I hadn't thought about Barker in any way, shape, or form when we went into the – when we went into uh, football practice the first day, I I would have named 50 players before I got to him, maybe more. Well, yeah, because the thought is he's a project, and that's a good risk that you take. You essentially add him to your yeah. class for this year, your recruiting class. But, I mean, he's not going to be anything, you know, close to polished. And, yeah, in your head you're just kind of like, well, whatever, I, we'll see. He's good, man. Yeah. He, he's good. Uh, Mike about Barker said he's someone who came in late in the process. I really like what he's going to be. Yeah, me too, Mike. We agree. Not that you need my approval, but that kid is for real. It's just the, the assembly line, the template, if you will, of the defensive backs that are rolling in here. I mean, even before we get to a five-star or a couple of five-stars like this class could close in 2024, they just look different. They look different. Yeah, they look better. Yes. They do. I'm very excited. He mentioned Conrad Hussey, said he has a great instinct for the ball, needs to work on his communication skills. All right, well, that's a, you know, if that's all we're complaining about here, that's a good sign. I, if if we get to, if we have to get down the line where you find a criticism just to keep it even, and and you're talking about he, he doesn't communicate well, well, then we're in really good shape because the very first thing you're going to look at is he's big enough, strong enough, fast enough. Can he run? Does he have good instincts? Does he have good, all those things. And if all you're worried about is that he didn't communicate real well, we're 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 gonna be fine. That Keon Coleman, he's he's a solid player. I don't like the way he ties his shoes, <laughs> but you know, other than that, we're we're pretty happy. Uh, mentioned Edwin and uh, Rawls, Jabril Rawls. Uh, young group has played well. I think that's accurate. That's a good description. Uh, they've done a real nice job right off the bat. They've hit the ground running, without question. He mentioned that Quindarius Jones sometimes. You lose sight of him because he was there in the spring, but he's just been steady as they could be. Yeah, he is steady. He's really smooth, yeah. Now, Mike touched on something that he said a lot of things, but I took this comment because it's something that I have been able to witness every single day. It has been consistent. I haven't had that many practices. Obviously, I'm not over in Jacksonville, so I've missed the last two because Aslan and Corey have been covering that for us over in Jacksonville, the rest of the crew here in Tallahassee. But – it stands to reason if we went to every practice prior to that and then it comes up again today from Mike that it has continued over in Jacksonville. And he said this about veteran players, particularly veteran players in the secondary, but I think it's applicable to the receiving core. I think it's applicable to the backfield. I think it's applicable on the offensive and defensive lines. It seems to be a team-wide thing that illustrates what we've talked about a lot which a team doesn't have to have, but you would prefer it. It's nice if they have it. He says, quote, the older players in the secondary have done a good job of coaching up the young guys, and that's what you want to see. That's what teams are all about. They compete every day together. They push every day. 
everything they can do to continue to start, they're trying to do. But there's still guys that they're going to help. And people who are even trying to take their spot are people they're going to help. It elevates everyone involved. Yes, yes, and yes, and not always the case, and not always necessary. Less necessary, say, in the NFL. But it's a good through line for a team to have in college football and in high school football and in junior football um, where where you are, you know, now I know they are playing for money these days, but it's not a business per se, the way that we look at the NFL, okay? And I just, I've noticed that has changed for the better. Uh, it's been moving in this direction for two years, but it stands out every time we go over there. Keon Coleman will finish a play where he makes a catch on a DB and he will immediately stand up and tell the defensive back either about a technique issue or a tell or something. He'll let him know or he'll give him a pointer on what he could have done differently and vice versa. A young receiver will will get dominated, get manhandled off the line of scrimmage or something by a corner and or, or a play will be made by a safety and those two, the receiver and the defensive back, are engaged in the conversation about the hows and whys of what just took place and what their cue was, what they could have done different in terms of technique, obviously footwork. It's just been awesome. That has really stood out to me, and I see it on the offense and defensive line. I see it like the offensive linemen will, you know, look, the offensive and defensive line are going at it, and sometimes it's just a, a pure violence, and that's just, hey, the tougher guy wins on a particular rep sometimes. But most of the time, that's very technical. It's hand placement, it's footwork, it's leverage, it's all those things. And you'll see them pat each other on the ass, but then you'll see them go back to their segment group and get back in line, and the conversation starts immediately. You'll see a lot of times a veteran player talking to a younger player. Here's what you did. And you'll see them illustrate it with their hands, and they'll talk about placement, and you'll see that. They'll walk over to a coach, and then they'll all engage – just a lot of communication, a lot of uh, – to me, that's an expression of, of love, right? Like you care about the person. You care about the team. You care about something bigger than yourself when you're willing to engage in that. Yeah, generally speaking, I think this group likes each other. I think so too. We've got answers coming on Warchant.com over the weekend for a roundtable, kind of taking yeah. stock so far in camp. But one of the questions was about the identity of a team. Is it forming? And, and my personal answer to that – is they're professional. These guys treat this professionally. You know, they they clock in. You don't see any hemming and hawing. You don't see anybody hanging their head because they're being corrected. They take the corrections. They know where to be. There's no more guesswork in Mike Norvell's practice layout either. You know, there was this lag effect with COVID, I think, because you, your instruction that first year was all virtual before they could yeah, yeah. finally start that season up. But they weren't able to create a rhythm of how they wanted to do things. In fact, Mike Norvell said that today after practice was over, that since they first got here day one, they've been through a lot of crap, was the way he put it. Yeah. They have. It's taken a year or two longer to get the machine built. And I'm not talking about the recruiting or the caliber of athlete. I'm just talking about the process of how they do things. Pretty much outside of 23-year-old dudes that are on campus now, nobody knows another way. Nobody knows any other way than Mike Norvell's way. And you can see that in practice. Guys go from A to B. They're from station to station. You don't see much of the coaches having to tell them, where are you going? This is what we do right now. It, it's just everything's laid out clearly. The guys punch in. They're diligent. They yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buttoned up. They take correction. Fine. There's no, 
there's nothing where there's somebody gets thrown out of practice because they don't want to be corrected or no. Mike, Mike has um, we've said this before, but to your point, I'll add to it. Mike is hardest on the players he expects the most out of. These are bona fide starters. These are veteran players. These are, in some cases, the stars of the team that he rides relentlessly. Uh, it's it's loud enough for us to hear it. When we're up in Hauser, you can hear him yell at a Keon Coleman. You can hear him yell at Jordan. You can hear him yell at Johnny Wilson. You can hear him yell veteran players over and over again. Now, he does it to everybody, but I think he expects more out of those veteran players. And if you're a star on this team, you do not get treated differently, at least not when it comes to instruction. I'm sure there are other areas where you do, and that's normal. That's true of any workplace. Um but but on the field, when they're practicing, when, when it's an opportunity to get better, everybody's fair game. Well, and, and you don't see – like, I, I get that player-led programs are the way to do things. And I think the standard is so ingrained from the top down. This is what helps about having guys come back for another year and having a core that likes each other. Trey Benson, Jared Verse, and Jordan Travis all like each other. That helps. Both sides of the ball, they're not in two different camps. But the standard is set. You don't ever hear – a player have to pipe up and say, come on, guys, pay attention. Come on, guys, we need to get over here. They just do. They just go from place to yeah, place. That's yeah. not that normal, I don't think. At least when we were able to see practice in the early Jimbo days, there were times where a player would have to go rah-rah and grab somebody and say, get over here, it's time to get to this well, next drill. You don't You don't hear that. They, just, they know where to be, they go, and they do. The undoing of uh, Jimbo Fisher was the inconsistencies in, in the locker room, out on the field of practice, uh, all of that. There was a different set of rules for different guys, and there was a lot of bark but not a lot of bite. Those guys would make the same sorts of mistakes in-game that they made the week before, or they were indignant about instruction in practice on a Monday and were right back out there with the ones on a Tuesday. So that's – and when you do that, you you are at, – at, at that point, you have lost your players because you're disingenuous and they know it. Well, that's the other thing, too, you know, when Mike Norvell hits the press conference, because these kids watch that. They want to see how they're described. You know, if you're getting chewed out in practice, but everything's fine in the press conference, that doesn't exactly build trust or vice versa. Right. You know, they, they dog you at a press conference, but every, they treat you like everything's fine in the locker room. They, they don't want a two-faced coach. Mike's not like that. But even with the quarterbacks, to give a specific example, he has said that when it comes to Tate and Brock and A.J., that they're going to give them different reps in different situations. He wants to see how they handle them. Mm-hmm. And that's been that's played out. Played yeah. out in the spring, played out in the fall. This the expectation is spoken publicly and then it's met in private. I just the consistency of that I think makes you a loyal player, makes it easier. Libations Friday of the Jeff Cameron show rolling on. Stay with us. Back for more in a moment. Closing in. Bailey Zappi was out there last night, buddy. Bailey Zappi. <laughs> 12 for 14. He's going to take Mac Jones' job. Old Bailey Zappy. Old Zappy's out there. I didn't watch, just so you know. I, I, I was laughing, though. I did see the numbers, and I was like, oh, that's right. They got Bailey Zappy. I saw a drive. You did? A uh, drive and a half mm. of Minnesota and Seattle last night. And the reason I did was I turned on NFL Network looking for highlights, but they had a technical difficulty with the uh, the second broadcast, the West Coast game. And so Daniel Jeremiah and Colleen Wolf were basically stuck for 10 minutes without a commercial break. And just as a nerd, I'm like, ooh, they're stuck. Oh, yeah. How are they going to get out of this? And they handled it pretty well until finally they could cut to the TV broadcast. But then I stuck around. And uh, 
Kirk Cousins didn't even start. <laughs> Jefferson didn't play. Right. That's the, the NFL first, preseason. Well, they, yeah, the first preseason game is you're not getting anything. Well, they used to give you a drive or two. A drive. Now they open, don't. Yeah. 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 Well, especially if you have carryover, right? Then then you're gonna. It was Mullins versus Drew Locke, I think, was the uh, was the match. You weren't riveted. You gotta love you some NFL. Gotta love it. Buck Steelers is that tonight? I know. You won't watch that. We'll be at dinner together, actually. We will. Yes, we will. Uh, but we can see the second half, Tom. We'll have to race, oh. to, race to the window. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Maybe Trask will still be in. Oh, man. Look at look – at, see, this, this is the kind of thing, guys. Betting golf is not for the faint of heart. Ask Phil Mickelson. Uh, but guys will – you know, you, you got a pretty, hand, pretty good handle on a guy, certain horses for courses – Type of grass that he likes. Hey, now. His form as of late. You know, it was me last week with Adam Hadwin. I was like, all right, this is a good tournament for Hadwin. Everything lines up. Bastard misses the cut. He's 400 today. Okay, Adam. I see how it is. Roll on back. Lucas Glover atop. I know you guys are pumped on a Friday about the St. Jude Championship. Just to let you know. It's Lucas Glover that leads the way. Hey, Vincent Norman's only four back. I know, and Vincent Norman, That, uh, but for those that don't know, I bring this up a lot, uh, FSU, and Vincent Norman's had a very, very good year. and So much so that he's still playing golf, and here we are in the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's uh, The fields are reduced. Players are getting cut. Players like Justin Thomas, have a good day, buddy. You're not good enough this year. But you know who is? Vincent Norman, still playing. And is even today, three under for the tournament. All right, come on, Vincent. And also a great kid. And we're always looking out there, wanting to find a Florida State guy. But Daniel Berger's been hurt. Kepka left yeah. the tour. Is he done? Is Daniel Berger just hanging it up? No, he's finally back. Uh, he had surgery. But, yeah, he's he's back rehabbing. So he posted something recently that he was finally able to hit balls. Looking for a money game on the weekend? <laughs> he was able to hit balls. Uh, but, yeah, so – if you're, if you're looking around and you're wondering who's doing what from FSU, well, now we got a guy. So, Vincent Norman, everybody. On the rise. It's hey. super nice and, and, and tough. You know, a couple of good finishes here to advance in the playoff. I'm sure he has to do a lot of work this week to continue on. But if he were to, a little backdoor Ryder Cup invite for Vincent? If he makes it well, all the way to Eastlake. He say, has a win this year, by the way. He's he won does. a golf tournament this it, year. It was an off event, it but it's a, win. It's, it's a win. It's a win on the tour. It's not like the Euros have you know 20 deep that they're whittling down to 12. Right. If he was to make it to Eastlake through good play. He that, could get the invite. You never know. No, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Hey, I want to bring this up. Somebody posted this on my timeline. I saw this from Chris Vanini. And he was quoting, I, I want to get your opinion on this. I want to have this conversation because I think this is accurate. And as much as I roll my eyes often at Stuart Mandel, I think this is right uh, about the big TV bet that um, you know, the networks have with college football. Okay, And, and so I'm going to read this, and then we'll just have this discussion. But just to get everybody in, uh, do the media – there was a question asked. Do the media companies understand – what makes fans love college football? This isn't the NFL, where you move a team to another market and the fans just remain. Oregon State fans are never going to root for Oregon. FSU and Miami fans won't root for the other or UF. 
The passion in college football that comes from the rivalries, pageantry, and tradition is very real. If you tear the soul out, NFL Sundays are already there. Now, I've talked about professional football already existing and being run better than the way college football would be run as it tries to become professional football. The NFL already exists. And so the response was, when I picture the type of fan the TV execs are thinking about when they make these huge deals, it's not an Oregon State dad and his son who go to the stadium together on Saturdays, then come home and watch the Pac-12 late game. They're picturing a New York Giants fan in Queens who can't name a single current college player and could give two craps about Oregon State. But if they see Ohio State is playing Southern Cal on a Saturday, they'll stop what they're doing for an hour and watch. And there are millions more Giants fans in Queens or Patriots fans in Southie than there are Oregon State fans or Washington State fans in the entire country. Maybe depressing, but true. You think that's accurate? I think uh, to a degree it is. I think that's what they are thinking, yes. yes. So I think that take is accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard it explained yesterday, I think it was Ben Hartsock, who said that they don't care about the Cyhawk Trophy. Right. They don't care about Iowa, Iowa State. The Cyhawk Trophy. And, of course, that perked my ears up just to hear the You're term. Like, yeah. They said they know that Iowa's a brand that Iowa State isn't. Just, just true. So if Iowa could play Oregon, more people are going to watch Iowa and Oregon. So screw the Cyhawk Trophy. That, that's the way that they're doing the math. Even though that has no history, no tradition, no None. nothing. None. It's got brand power that are going to bring people to hang around for an extra half an hour to an hour. And at that point, it becomes that much more valuable because the numbers go up. And if that means the tradition has to get lost in, in the wash, so be it. Yeah, they don't care. They Correct. don't care. But yeah. the, the, the diehard college football fan cares very deeply, but these executives that are looking for ratings do not care. I agree. However, as somebody who loves the Cyhawk Trophy game, I think I'd be more likely to stick around for Oregon and Iowa than I there would Iowa, Iowa State. There are always going to be games that you'd rather watch than others. That doesn't mean the other games are irrelevant and not important to the fabric of college football. That's correct, but at some point, I, I do think the ratings of rivalry games like, uh, you know, Civil War, right, out, out in the Pacific Northwest, Yeah, they tell you that, you know, people don't really care that much. The people out there do, but yes, you're nationally, right. they don't. right. Which is what this is all about. Yeah, but that's the very thing that made college football. You're right, it's what it's about, but that's what made college football special, the regionality. It was very different than the NFL. I, I don't think that people root. Like, if you're. Like, I don't have any grievance towards, I don't know, the Kansas City Chiefs because they're from the Midwest. I don't even right. think about it that way. Yeah. I think of them as a professional football franchise, and I can remember the Hall of Famers that have come through and players I liked or whatever, and that's just the way I look at them. Whereas with college football, you really do look at it regionally. You're like, well, that's the Big Ten. It's cold, Midwestern football. They run the football. They rarely have prolific offenses. Now, a lot of that has changed. Ohio State changes it anyhow. But, like – the, the way they played football and their traditions were very regional, very uh, unique to that area. Uh, same with for years like Nebraska running the triple option. A lot of – it feels like a lot of Nebraska's problems started when they turned their back on that very thing, the idea that they had to modernize and run a pro-style offense. There was nothing unique about Nebraska anymore. And then they left the only conference everybody knew them in and went to the Big Ten and haven't done a damn thing. I, I do hate that. I get where people will lament that and that will long for that, and I think it will hurt the sport. But I agree that is the right take that what TV executives are looking at is, hey, we don't really care about the tradition of Florida State-Miami. We care if it was highly rated. Well, yeah, and the other thing is if you've got Iowa involved in a game, 
and it could be Oregon, it could be Iowa State, it could be anybody else. The state of Iowa is going to watch. Yes, correct. If it's Iowa and Iowa State, it the, the state's going to watch. It really doesn't matter. But you can have somebody in a different state watch Iowa if they play somebody that's not the Cyclones. Yeah. You know, that's that's the key here is you, you just know, homogenize it though, and I don't I'm not in love with that. You do and like I, I hear you. You do and you don't though, because if you're gonna have a national footprint like the Big Ten, that you have the time zones thing works. Like I get that Greg Sankey is very defensive about that. It's because the SEC has the best talent. So he he's fine in that regard. But having noon, three thirty, oh, eight sure. o'clock, ten yeah, o'clock, programming all damn day, yeah, that, that does make a whole lot of sense. Doesn't suck, and it's not homogenized for that reason. I think because your conference represents a lot of the country. Soon these conferences may, might not exist at all. They're just it's it's a it's a stream. It's it's ESPN. It's Fox. It's whatever. It's I think it's, yes, I agree. That's where we're going. I think it's a way to almost trim the fat so that they can reorganize the sport. Yeah, you're just selling brands at that point, and hopefully really you know watchable brands for the nation is what they're thinking something will be lost though there's no doubt the warm and fuzzies will be lost but the thing is if you're relevant at the highest level if you're these schools your enrollment's always going to go through the roof oh, because sure. people want to go to these games and so you're going to cultivate another generation of fans like i don't think the long-term viability of the fans of college football is going to go away because these kids want to go to these schools where they're going to be in the power too I thought this was fascinating. Uh, Vanini goes on to say, college football does lack star power and national attention that it used to have. I point to a few factors. Ending the NCAA video uh, football video game. I don't know if that's true. Uh, the NFL and NBA getting bigger and taking it more attention. That is true. Coaches and media policies that discourage players from standing out. Okay, uh, that was silly, but that should change with the NIL era and is to some extent. He goes on to, to write, the Johnny Manziel documentary just came out. We've had mainstream. Have we had another mainstream college football star like him since he played? Every industry needs characters. Caleb Williams should be everywhere. And he's just talking about in terms of star power. Uh, he goes on to say, I'll also add Alabama dominance as another factor in college football's national relevance. Every story about them has already been told. LSU's run was fun. TCU was fun last year. Clemson's rise was fresh for a minute. But it was fleeting. In the 2000s, we had many dynasties rise and fall. It stayed fresh. Well, I pointed out the Alabama fatigue and the lack of competitive balance in college football. I've been pointing that out for a long time, but it got better recently. Yeah. The fact that TCU got to a championship game uh, was stunning. Yeah, no, I, I think they're wrong on that one, these conclusions. I think the late 2000s, early 2010s was kind of boring. I mean, did you have a national title game with one touchdown between Alabama and LSU? Yeah. One of the rematches? Yeah. And if it, if it was more than that, then it might have been two touchdowns in the game. But I think the sport now, for example, if you want to talk about stars, everybody knew who Joe Burrow was before the draft. This is where the NFL helps college. I know that they should subsidize it probably and should have been a long time ago. Yeah. But – Everybody knows who the number one pick in the draft is going to be every year, every year, or, no, or who the top three are. The NFL has gotten away with murder. They should pay. They should subsidize a lot of what happens in college football. It's their minor leagues without having to do any work. Yeah. Johnny was different because social media was reaching its fever, and, and it was almost like a mm -hmm. Tiger Woods storyline meets college football. I'll grant you that. Jameis caught a little bit of that, a, a fair amount, but not in the same way that Johnny. Johnny was, yeah. I mean, the whole way he was polarizing. But I, I think the sport's in a better place now, and it's uh, – I don't know oh, you that mean, that's you arguable mean, the, in terms of – You mean on field? Household names? Yeah, I mean, people people know who the hell Caleb Williams is. 
I wonder. I, it's it's weird to me. I wonder. I mean, we're college football fans. We certainly know who they he know is. Who I, Burrow was. They know. Who, I think more people know who Joe Burrow was. Like NFL fans, I, it may be, it may be that we're looking back in hindsight because Burrow's a star in the NFL now. He was a star at LSU. Was, I agree with you. But look where we are. I, I think he was a star in the South. I wonder was he a star to the average football, not college football fan? Like we're talking about football, big picture. Well, look, college football is not as big as the NFL. It's not, but, but it's every second, NFL but it fan, is second. Every NFL fan knew who the number one quarterback was going to be. Yeah. That's where it, I think it helps. Yeah. I hate the stripping of the traditions and the rivalries and the regionality. I do think it's going to hurt the sport to some degree. But I think if we're just trying to assess what TV executives are looking at and why they're making these moves and pushing for these super conferences, that answer is the right answer. And so in terms of – you know, the one I read earlier, thinking about, you know, when they make these deals. I think it's fair. It's the other side of the coin of FSU's argument. If we're worth so much more than so many other teams in the conference, there's a reason for that. Yeah, and that's yeah. And we should be rewarded for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what we're it, preying on here. Yeah, the oddity is that what could help college football, not what we're seeing okay, so you're gonna look at these two divisions, I think. And you're going to say, all right, well, at least 48 have decided that they're at, th- they're at this group here. They're much bigger. They're, they're going to play what a, what's akin to semi-pro football, if you will, right? Everybody else, the Wake Forests of the world, are going to play this other brand of football. We're still going to watch that as college oh, football yeah. fans. Hell yeah. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with